The sermon lesson is from Matthew 4, 12 through 25. Now when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light, and for those dwelling in the region and the shadow and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. This is the gospel of the Lord. Our Father, your word is said to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And we ask that it would be so this morning and that it would reveal your beloved Son and that you would help us to follow him with all of our hearts. And it's in his great name that we pray. Amen. So if you are new to resurrection, we're in the middle of a study of the gospel according to Mark. Matthew, who was a close disciple of Jesus, is writing a very personal account of Jesus and his life and who he is and what he has done. And that is the purpose to show who Jesus really is, to show why he is such good news, and to help others trust him and to help others follow him. And so whether you are in here and have been a Christian for many years, or whether you are just beginning to explore the message of Christianity, or you've walked away because of some real hurt, hardship, and difficulties, and don't know where you are, we're all facing the same question. Who is Jesus? Is He really good news? Will we trust Him, and will we follow Him? As we go through the gospel according to to Matthew, we've reached somewhat of a turning point in the story where up to this point, it's been a a lot of focus on the background of of Jesus and events surrounding his birth and beginnings. And now it takes a turn and it's like the curtains are being pulled back and Jesus is going public. This great work that God has been building up is now being put front and center, and the spotlight is being put on Jesus. And there are three questions that I want us to ask together as we look at what is happening in the passage before us, and that is some similar questions that we've been asking of, who is Jesus, will we follow him, and will we share in his work? So who is Jesus, will we follow him? And will we share in His good work? Those are the three questions that I want us to explore this morning. Beginning with the first one of of who is Jesus. 
And in some ways, this is the same question that we've been asking every week, and it's the same question that we'll look at in some ways in the weeks ahead, because that's at the heart of what Matthew is trying to do to communicate this is who Jesus is. And so there's many different angles that Matthew approaches this question. There's many different answers that we have to that, but the passage before us answers the question of who is Jesus in a very specific way. I want you to look at how the passage begins. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. We've already met this John in previous chapters. This is John the Baptist who's had a very specific calling on his life, and that was to prepare the way for the one who was to come. It may be helpful here to think about the work of a radiologist. So the the main focus and work of a radiologist is that of diagnosis, trying to discover what is wrong. And there are many tools that a radiologist will use, everything from x-rays, MRIs, PET scans, ultrasounds, trying to look below the surface to explore what is really happening and where sickness might have spread and how far and deep. And then to be able to let the patient know this is what's wrong. That's the key task of radiologists. And they they play a critical role, but they also play an incomplete role. Because most of the time, they are the ones who are going to tell you what is wrong, but they're not the ones who are going to work towards the healing. They are going to point to someone else and say, you need to go to this doctor. And a lot of times, if you're dealing with cancer, they will point to an oncologist and say, here is what's wrong, but this is the person who can provide the treatment, the care, the ones who can work towards healing to make it better. John's ministry is much more that like the radiologist. He is coming amongst the people, helping them to see that there is a deep sickness in the hearts of people and humanity that goes incredibly deep and that has, inc- that has spread much worse than we have thought. And John's own message was to everyone, I am not the Christ. I'm not the Messiah. I'm not the healer. I'm not the one that you have been waiting for. But there is one who is coming. And my role is to prepare you for him, to help you see your need, and to put the spotlight on him and to point to him. I'm a voice crying in the wilderness. And all of the Bible has been building up to this. Matthew, more than any other gospel writer, quotes the Old Testament. Again and again, some of his favorite phrases are, this was to fulfill, or it was been fulfilled. Matthew is trying to say, God is authoring this grand story that has been building up. It's like this wave that has been building and building, and now is almost a tsunami, and now it's breaking on humanity. This wave of grace and mercy. But the way he talks about this grace breaking in is he uses the language of darkness and light. I love the, what, what Matt said earlier in, in the image of those, those kids in the cave of just 
sitting there in the darkness and all their fear with all their doubts and then seeing just light break through the surface of the water. And immediately when you see that light, I'm sure as these kids, you're thinking, someone has come. This is hope. That's a lot of what Isaiah and Matthew are saying. In Jesus, this light is emerging in the midst of a darkness and it's bringing hope and it's bringing life. Verse 14, Matthew looks back and says, this was to fulfill, this was what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulon and Naphtali, the way by the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, a light on them has dawned. In a place where it feels like death is just surrounding you and casting this black shadow in the midst of the dark, a light shines forth. One of the key images that the Bible uses to talk about our desperate condition is one of darkness. Sin, suffering, evil, death are all different manifestations of what is described as darkness. And these words that are quoted come from a passage that was said long ago where there's a time that's coming when light is going to break into our world in a way like never before. It talks about a time of joy where there's going to be more joy than where there is at this massive harvest. There's going to be time of rescue when oppression is going to be broken. There's going to be time of peace when these weapons of war are going to be used as fuel in fires. And all because someone has come. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government is going to be on his shoulder. His name is going to be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Matthew's trying to say that this time has come. This child is here, bringing peace, joy, liberation. Darkness will not have the final say in our world. Light will. Who is Jesus? The answer we see this week is Jesus is the light of God's rescuing love. Jesus is the light of God's rescuing love. And if that's true, then it brings us to our next question. Will we trust this light? Will we follow this light? Many of you are familiar with Robert Frost's poem, The Road Not Taken, opens with two roads diverged in a yellow wood. And it's about him not being able to take both. And he has to choose one. And so which will he choose? A choice must be made. Jesus also presents as light emerges in the same way going back to the cave, light comes in and they have a choice to stay in the darkness or to follow the light. There's no middle way. There's no alternate path. We hear this clearly in Jesus' words, verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That idea of the kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God is, is what Isaiah was talking about long ago. This, this anticipated time where light would come in and all that it would mean. And Jesus says, this time is happening now. And your response is to repent. 
At that time in Greek culture, repent was often used to, to signify a change of mind, a changing your thinking about something. But in the New Testament, it's used as something much deeper. It's a, it's a change of mind that is reflective of, of a life that is a total change in trajectory. Repentance is a turning away from something and a turning towards something. It is a call, as we've said in previous weeks, to come home. Often we think that what really gets us into trouble is the seriousness of our sin and how far we have wandered. And there's part of that that's really true, but our real trouble is our refusal to come home. Our refusal to follow the light, to receive grace, to receive mercy, and to rest in that. And what happens is Jesus is connecting here that a a genuine repentance and turning results not just in a a one-time, short-lived life change or way of thinking, but a total change in direction. So that genuine repentance leads to wholehearted following. Repentance and discipleship go hand in hand. Repent and follow Me. Matthew here records a special encounter between Jesus and these four individuals. There are two sets of brothers, Peter and Andrew, and James and John. And what's interesting as you compare what Matthew is saying here to other Gospels, there's a lot that Matthew leaves out. There are other interactions that Jesus has with these four before it gets to this point. But but Matthew, even though he is the longest Gospel, He cuts it short here. He leaves all that out because he wants to focus our attention on a point that he's trying to make and on Jesus' call. Because what Matthew records is very simple. Jesus saw them, Jesus called them, and they left everything and followed Him. It's that quick. Imagine yourself signing up for a trip to take a two-week tour to Europe. And you sign up with company. And what you're going to expect is you're going to expect careful, detailed planning along with some very clear ongoing communication about what this trip is going to be. Communication and planning about dates, about destinations, about plane tickets, meals, itinerary, insurance, money, food, places you'll be staying, people you'll be with. I mean, think about all that would have to go into planning a trip like this. And imagine working with this company and them saying, we're not going to do any of that. What's going to happen is one day we're just going to call you and tell you to meet us at the airport and you're going to meet us there and we're going to go on a two-week trip. We're not going to tell you where we're going. We're not going to tell you how we're going to get there. We're not going to tell you where you're staying, what you're eating. We're not going to give you any of that. We're just telling you, we're going to give you the call and and tell you to follow us. How How would you like that? How would you respond to that? I want you to think about what Jesus is doing here and what Matthew is focusing on. There's just a simple call, follow me. Think about all the things that Jesus does not tell them. Think about if you are in their shoes, what kind of questions you would ask before you leave everything behind and follow him. What kind of calculations are you doing? Matthew here is focusing in to say this is the call of discipleship. It is 
a wholehearted surrender, a genuine trust, and a complete following in this light that has come into the darkness. Following Jesus always comes at some cost. The Gospels are clear in that. The New Testament is clear. There is always things that we have to leave behind in following Jesus, and there are things that we gain. One of the most helpful kind of illustrations of this is a parable that Jesus tells about a man who's walking through this field and he stumbles across a treasure. He doesn't own the field, but the treasure is of such value that we are told in Jesus' words that in his joy, he went and sold everything he had in order to gain this field. So, the question to you is, what did he lose? Well, he he lost everything, right? What did he gain? He gained something so much more. And Jesus says the kingdom of God is like that treasure in the field. That's the call to follow Jesus that's upon all of us. I love there's an interaction later with Peter where Jesus' teachings are, getting, are hitting a little bit too close to home in people's hearts. And people who had initially started following him because they were liking all the things that he was saying, they start to take steps back and say, okay, I'm, this is a little bit too much. And they start to leave. And Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, are you going to leave me as well? And I always love Peter's response. He looks at Jesus and he said, Lord, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. I'm sure Peter had so many questions, but in his heart of hearts, he said, I, I know that I need to be near you. I know that what you have is better than whatever I would get out here, and so I want to stay close to you. It may not all make sense, but I want to trust you and I want to follow you. You are the light. And this brings us to our third and final question. It's not just about being able to see this light that's broken in, and following, but also sharing in the work of this light. Will we join in? Because Jesus is clear. He's not looking for just passive spectators. He wants active participants who are joining in and sharing in this work, who are getting their hands dirty, who are putting their hands to the plow, who are investing in this project of Light invading into darkness and bringing both healing and hope. Jesus says, follow me and I'm going to make you fishers of men. You're going to go out and fish for people. Um, these two brothers, had pairs of brothers, had spent their entire lives doing this kind of work of fishing. And Jesus is trying to speak to them in a language that they would have understood. He's trying to give them a glimpse of what they are going to be about together. And the fishing that he's talking about is probably something that, different than the fishing that we're familiar with. Their type of fishing would be a casting out of nets and a pulling in of fish. But the going out and the gathering in that Jesus is talking about, this casting out and bringing in is not about taking life, but it's going to be about giving it. I remember seeing on the news, it was, this was 1989, so I was, just, uh, I was just a kid, but 
It was when the, the Exxon Valdez was traveling through off the coast of Alaska and, and it hit a reef. And, and as a result, 10 million gallons of just crude oil just went spilling out. And so you have this pristine, beautiful, white Alaskan coastline. And then you have just this black, dark crude oil that's just spreading out everywhere and the coastline's filled of it. And you couldn't just wash it off. And you would see these videos of people who would go in and they would capture wildlife. And they would, they would get them and you'd see just these birds uh, or these fish or these otters or seals that were just covered just in oil. And then you would see them bring them in and do this cleaning process and give them the care and the medical attention they need. And then they would send them out to this new environment. As I think about that kind of gathering in and healing and sending out, that's, in my mind, a beautiful picture of the kind of fishing that Jesus is talking about, of a kind of pulling in, not to do harm, but of, of going into the darkness and pulling it out of an utter mess and giving us what we need most. And he says to his disciples, this is the work that I want you to be about. I am light invading darkness. Join me because there is much, much good work to do. Think about the fishing that Jesus is doing as it's described in the last part of our passage this morning. It says, He went throughout all Galilee, this is fishing, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the gospel or the good news of the kingdom, this long-awaited time, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. This work of fishing is heralding good news and healing all that is wrong. Heralding and healing. Disciples, join with me in this. Light is breaking into darkness. And he's sending the message far and wide that the long-awaited King has finally come. One of my favorite books, The Return of the King, there's a, a part where there is this great battle. And it's a battle between good and evil, light and darkness. And what happens in this great battle is darkness is pushed back and is defeated. Uh, but there are many who are wounded and they go to the infirmary. And as they're trying to care for those who are wounded, what they realize is there's something more than just physical going on. There's a kind of shadow that has come over them. There's a kind of darkness that has stepped in. And, and no matter what they try to do, they, they, can't, they can't help. And one of the chief nurses, she's just, she's just at a loss of what to do. And she feels helpless and hopeless. And she says, oh, that there were kings in the land as there once were. For it is said in old lore, the hands of the king are the hands of a healer. And so the rightful king could ever be known. There's a sense of longing of if, 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 if the right person were here, he could do something. And what she doesn't know is that the rightful king has come. Aragorn is there, the one who had just led them in this great battle. And now he comes to the infirmary. And he begins to speak into the darkness. And he begins to bring healing into the darkness. And when Faramir, the captain, comes awake, 
he looks at Aragorn and he says, my Lord, you called me and I come. What does the king command? And Aragorn said, walk. Walk no more in the shadows, but awake. And soon the, the word had gone out from the house that the king was indeed come among them. And after war, he brought healing and news ran through the city. Jesus is this long-awaited king bringing light, bringing healing, calling us out of the darkness. And when we have been called, our response is the same. What does my king who called me out of this, what do you want? Walk no more in the darkness. Join me in the light. Trust me. Follow me. Join me in my work. It closes with other people in the areas bringing their sick to Jesus. They brought to Him all those sick, afflicted, various diseases, pains, oppressed, seizures, paralytics, and He healed them. I think it's a beautiful picture of our work. We are like John. We say, I am not the Christ, but I want to bring you to the Christ. I cannot heal you, but He can. Our joining in this good work is one of pointing, is one of bringing. We want to reflect His love, His grace and power, but we are, we are small reflections of a greater light. The King has come. Let's pray. Our God, we thank You for light shining in the darkness. Would You break through all the places where we feel its power and its shadow? Help us to trust You. Help us to follow You. Help us to join You in this good work. And it is in the name of Your Son, the true light, we pray. Amen.